Are you guys alive this morning? Good, good, good. Um, so I'm going to jump straight into it. Mel, if you could throw up the, uh, the first slide. The title of this morning's message is New Beginnings, Seasons, and Dreams. New Beginnings, New Seasons, and New Dreams. So I don't know what you think of when you think of something new, but I had a quick story I wanted to share. Uh, I feel bad because my brother was up here this morning, so there's going to be some stories about him just since he's here. Um, but I, um, when Angie and I first got married, as you do, you need furniture and you need things in your house. And so she was tasked with by herself, because I wasn't allowed to choose the things, you know, because my, my skill sets are not in that arena, and I'll gladly admit that I, I can't decorate the house very well like she can. So she, she started about decorating the house and paintings and pictures, and, and not all of it was new, um, but some, some of it was old stuff that was donated. But one thing brand new that we bought was a bookcase, because um, we had a bunch of movies and, and books that we wanted to display in the bookcase. So she was going to buy a brand new bookcase. And she went out and chose it, and me and my brother went to go pick up the bookcase from the store. And it was one of those bookcases that is a build-it-yourself thing. You know, you have to, the, the little tools are in there, and, you know. And, and, I mean, I've probably mentioned it before. I'm not the building, carpentering kind of guy that's just not where my skill sets are. Um, you know, I need to go spend some time in the men's shed and, uh, and learn some skills. Um, but, and to be fair, my brother hadn't had those skills at the time either. He's, he's now developed into um, a real man, and he's, he's, he's learned how to do all those things. Uh, my skill sets have not increased from there. But, so I'm just giving him a heads up. I'm, he's, he's past that stage. At the time, we're not. So we opened up the thing, and it went bad right from the start. Now, I had thought that I would do an okay job because I just built an entertainment center, you know, for our TV and things not too long before that. I mean, it was another one of those, you know, do-it-yourself things. And my wife had helped me, so she says that's the reason we got through it is because she was helping me in that. Um, but anyways, we started in on this bookcase. And, um, and right away, you know, we started blaming the materials. You know, the workmanship was very poor. Um, and the tools they gave us, they just weren't the right tools. For, I, you know, it was none of that. We were just, we had no idea. You know, we're just, our skill sets weren't in that arena. The, the best things that I've built is, um, is Legos. You know, that's kind of where my skill set stopped with building. Um, but there were screws sticking out that you could physically see. There was bits of chipped wood all over the place. It was literally leaning. I, I'm not exaggerating. Bruce Billington had said, Jesse, you need to find a picture. I, I probably burned any evidence that there would have been of this just because I wouldn't want anybody knowing it. But I'm, it, was, it was physically leaning. Like, you know, the Leaning Tower of Pisa um, is, it comes to mind when I think of the bookcase. So you can tell we didn't do a good job. But we spent so long on this stupid bookcase that we weren't going to be taking it back. You know, like we, we finished, it was going to go up in, the, in our house. Like, all right, let's put the books and the movies in there, you know. Um, but when Angie came home, uh, it, she, she didn't think so. You know, it, it wasn't going to stay in the house. So when she saw the screws poking out and she saw the leaning tower of bookcase pizza in, in our living room, she, she went and she returned it immediately. And I think the you know, God is merciful because he, um, he allowed the... Uh, the guy to return her and give her money back for it and things, even though I, I don't know if it was their fault. But they, they did it for us. She probably told them the story, and um, he probably had such pity on her that she had you know, a, such a sorry excuse for a husband and a brother-in-law at home that destroyed her bookcase. We never got a new bookcase again. We, my DVDs and all the books, they ended up finding their way to shelves that were already made in a closet. That brand-new bookcase 
did not find its way into our house. We actually didn't, we still don't have a, we have a little mini bookcase that we inherited from my mom. It was one of those build-it-yourself things, but luckily she'd already built it before it came to our house, so we're okay. When you think of something brand new, or when you think of you're getting something new, one of the things I want to talk about this morning is a little bit, is the expectation surrounding what we think that new thing should look like. The expectations around what we think that something new is going to be or what it's going to look like. So in the, in the case of the, the bookcase, we had some expectations of what it should look like. Now, we came up against some significant obstacles. You know, with the screws, we'd, we'd, we'd done it so tight, we'd strip the entire screws. So even if we wanted to get the screws out that were poking out, we, we were going to break the entire thing. And we almost wanted to break the entire thing. We had a second-story apartment. We maybe wanted to send it out the window of that second-story apartment. But when you have something brand new, you have certain expectations of what you think it should look like. And if you get something new, you want it to A, work, right? You want it to be better than whatever was old. You hope that it doesn't have screws poking out of it. When you get something new, do you really want obstacles or challenges or anything like that in the way I think our expectations possibly would say otherwise, that if we have something new, when there's obstacles or challenges, the desire is you want to go and return it pretty quickly, possibly. So we're going to talk a little bit about this this morning. And we're going to do it through the context of Joseph's life. So Joseph, obviously, he's, you know, I think it's a lot of people's favorite story in the Bible. And we'll touch on his story as we go through. But I hope that we can pull some nuggets of, of how God uses us in and through our lives. But we're going to specifically talk about new beginnings, new seasons, and new dreams. And as we're talking about new beginnings, new seasons, and new dreams... I don't want us to relegate that only to, you know, like all of our youth are gone at the youth conference and they're having a phenomenal time. This is not a message just for them. Obviously, they're not even here. I'll encourage all of them to listen to it on, on, online. But this is not just a message for them. It's not new things are not just for young people starting their lives. God is doing a new thing in all of us all of the time. And maybe this morning you, you think it's just about dreams. It's not really about dreams. I want to kind of identify when, I'm, when we're saying new beginnings, new seasons, and new dreams. What I really would love to encourage you is what is the call that God has on your life? We each, every single one of us has a call. A couple weeks ago we talked about, you know, what is the thing that you would die for? What is that thing that's just brimming up inside of you? That's more what we're talking about, that when God births something in you, what are you doing to walk that out and to, to walk into that new beginning and that new season and that new dream? And I don't know what level you're thinking on this morning, and, and you can think on whatever level you want, but it might be the new season you've come into is, you know, the kids might have just left the house, or it might be retirement has just started. It might be that there's been the loss of a loved one. There might be the addition of new family members. It could be a new job. It could be a changing of old friends. It, maybe it's in the spiritual sense that you're thinking this morning. Are you longing for a new relationship with Jesus or an an aspect of that that hasn't come yet. We, we here are often really wanting to see and encourage the gifts of the Spirit move. Is that something that you're dreaming about coming into a new facet of? New beginnings, new seasons, and new dreams. What is the thing that God has placed on your heart or has birthed in you? And I just want to let that percolate a little bit. And maybe it's not something new, but maybe it's something old that needs reigniting. Maybe it's not something new, but maybe it's something old that needs reigniting. Has God birthed in you something that you've just given up on because it didn't happen? Has God birthed something in you? Could this be 
children that aren't walking with the Lord? Could this be you're unsatisfied with life for whatever reason? What, so start digging into those things. What do we need to reignite or to reset a fire to that maybe has passed away? So reigniting old dreams. God makes all things new. His mercies are new every morning. Newness has the promise of life and the, the excitement of a fresh thing. And uh, my hope this morning is that you would find fuel to pursue those things that God has, has laid on your whole heart, be they old or be they new. And in the next uh, three words, if you don't catch anything this morning, I hope you catch these three words. Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. There's, there's a phenomenal, my mom came up and gave a word, and I'd, I'd so affirm prophetically what she said because it has so much to do with my message, and I haven't shared my message with her or anything like that, but she said to just stand. And, and I'll probably maybe even elaborate on that in just a little bit, but don't lose heart. And this comes from, and this one is not up on the screen, but it's 2 Corinthians 4.16. Don't lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. So he is doing a new thing in you every single day. He is newness. He is life. Don't lose heart. And we're going to expand on that some more. We're going to jump straight into Joseph's story. Um, and we're going to try and get through all of Genesis 37, but I'll, I'll paraphrase a lot of it. So Jace, uh, Jacob lived in the land of his father's sojournings in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, our hero of the story, he's 17 years old, pasturing the flock with his brothers. He was a boy with the sons of Bila and Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. I wish I, I wanted somebody here that was 17 to just have them stand up so we could look at them and put them in the spotlight just so we could get a picture of what somebody that's 17 looks like. Do we have any takers that want to look like 17 that... Um, so when you're, when you're 17, I was thinking, do you remember when you were 17? Do you remember what that season of life represented? That season of life was the begin, or it's really the beginning of the end, if you will, you know, into adulthood. Um, but you're at the peak of like adulthood and wanting to step into that which God, or if we use the spiritual analogy, has for you, or what's, what's on your heart. Kind of anything can happen at 17. I remember when I was 17, um, I, I had thought to myself, you know, if the right girl came along, I could get married right now. Um, I'm glad that a girl didn't come along at the age of 17 because I don't think I would have been as ready as I thought I was. But 17, you have quite high estimations, I think, of what you can do. 17 is a season that he was embarking on. And, and I was just looking, 20 years old is the age of fighting age in, in the old Hebrew armies. So he wasn't quite to 20, and that's why the Bible refers to him as a boy. He's a boy with the sons of Bill and Zilpah. But I, smile, I smiled when I saw that phrase, he was a boy with the sons of Bill and Zilpah, because he, bought a, he brought a bad report of them to their father. And I'm not, this morning, I'm not going to go into the family dynamics of, of this story, although they're very unhealthy. Um, and I'd recommend some very good old-fashioned counseling with Grant with this family. Um, but in, the, in this case... You see a boy with the sons of Bill and Zilpah, and I just smile because, you know, he's a boy with men, and he's bringing a bad report. You kind of start to see this story shaping up a little bit of what's going to happen. So I'm going to just keep reading, and we're going to go through here. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than any other of his sons because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a robe of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers... 
they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. Like I said, they really need to find their way to Grant's office. They have a father who's showing blatant favoritism. He's buying the, the son the Nike shoes while the other sons, they don't wear shoes, you know. And um, he's, he's, the, the brothers are blatantly hating him. They can't speak a peaceful word to him. Grant, if they were today, I would sign them up for you right now. Joseph had a dream. When he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. Joseph had a dream. When he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, hear this dream that I have dreamed. Behold, we're binding sheaves in the field, and my sheaf arose and stood upright. Your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. His brother said to him, are you indeed to reign over us, or are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. They hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. So one of the pictures that I get here is, unfortunately, my brother comes to mind again. Have you had somebody rain on your parade before? Have you, you, you know that feeling when somebody just throws a bunch of cold water over a phenomenal idea that you have? I think why I think of my brother is because he, he's quite a sincere fellow, and as growing up, he would have, um, you know, he'd have a great idea or he'd want to give a gift to somebody, or something would happen, and he'd be so passionate about it, he'd put so much time, energy, and love into doing it, and then for whatever reason, and it'd be multiple people, they just, you know, I, I wanted to, I even tried looking for it, but you know that buzzer that sound that says, wah, wah. I, I picture that happening, and I, when I think of Joseph here, where his brothers, you know, openly are rebuking him when he shares this dream, and I understand the dream isn't very favorable to them, but that's not really the point that I'm looking at. They rained on his parade immediately. And there's something that I want to set up for you here. When God comes into a situation, so there's so many different layers we could look at. Maybe it's when you just first get saved, or maybe it's when God is birthing something in you down the track. But whenever God is moving, whenever he's doing something, he's not necessarily going to change the circumstances and the situation that you're currently living in. And that's important, I think. He doesn't give you a new brother or a new set of brothers, if it were in Joseph's case, or a new father. And just because God gave Joseph this dream, his situation didn't just miraculously change. The red carpet didn't line out in front of him so that he could walk down into the fullness of what this dream was. I think it's really easy when we're talking about, remember the bookcase, our expectations of what something new should look like. And I think in Joseph's case, it's even the opposite. That when God gives Joseph this dream, not only does the situation, you know, the red carpet roll out. In fact, what happens? It gets worse. His brothers hated him even more. Let's keep reading. Then he dreamed another dream, and he told it to his brothers. I've dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun, the moon, and eleven stars were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow ourselves to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in mind. And, and right now, I'd, I'd love to shift the way that we're looking at Joseph's brothers, because sometimes you might say they're getting a hard deal. And I would agree with you that there's some really unhealthy things that they've been recipients of.
but we're not necessarily looking at this in the course of the natural, but the supernatural. And I'd like to shift the way that we're looking at this story with maybe a spiritual lens. So Joseph's brothers don't become his brothers anymore. They become probably the representation of the spiritual attack that sometimes comes our way or the enemy, if you will. But whenever God has something new for you, there will often be discouragement that comes along immediately. When God speaks, it's so exciting. Joseph couldn't hold back his excitement. He told his brothers, and what happened immediately? They rained on his parade. There was discouragement immediately. And there's a major principle here, and I think it's up on the slide as well. When God gives you a dream, when he puts something in your heart, there will often even be more resistance than ever before. This is so important to just... Why is it important to stand? It wouldn't be important to stand if there was no boulders coming your way, right? You could walk right up the mountain. So this morning, if you could just see that when God gives you a dream, when he puts something in your heart, there will often even be more resistance than ever before. And this morning, my major question for you all this morning is how many of us have stopped or have disengaged or have gotten discouraged when those obstacles or those challenges came along, when our expectations of that new thing didn't line up with what we thought it should look like. And I hope that percolates on your heart as you think on whatever situation it is that you might find yourself in. What, did it, what was it supposed to look like that it didn't look like? And why it's so important to stand. I'll use that imagery. We have to stand because if you sit down, you're, you're in a more vulnerable place. Or if you disengage, or even if you turn around, you're going to lose that ground. And this morning, don't lose heart. And I think, and we all know this, and I'm sure you've heard it many times, but you know, whenever the Israelites were promised anything, and you know, hey, walk into your promised land, what was always there waiting for them before they could walk into the promised land? The opposition, the giants, they were always waiting for them before they could walk into the promised land. And I think sometimes we think, oh, that's in Bible's times. That's that's somebody else's story. But I think the principle is still there that when you start to walk in that thing, there will often be even more resistance before. And sometimes those giants might actually be in the way of our new beginnings, our new seasons, and our new dreams. But those giants might come in the form of old problems, old issues, and old doubts. Let's keep reading his story. Paraphrasing verse 12 through 17, Joseph's father sends him out. Hey, go find your brothers. They're far away pasturing the flock. Verse 18 says this, they saw him from afar and before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. They said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we will say that a fierce animal has devoured him. And this line is so telling. We will see what becomes of his dreams. Let us kill him, throw him into a pit, and we will see what becomes of his dreams. And we're keeping that spiritual lens on our, you know, looking at this story, moving away from the natural. That it's so interesting that when God gives Joseph this dream or this set of dreams, the enemy attack all of a sudden amps up to a whole new level. And here's a picture I'd like to leave with you. Notice what did the brothers, who are the representative of the enemy right now, what was their response when Joseph was the favorite one? They hated him. They couldn't speak peacefully to him. But they weren't trying to kill him. So here's the point. We can be loved and favored by God. He can love us 
more than anyone. You know, do you know he loves each of us more than everyone else? You know, we're all his favorite kind of thing. God can love you so much. And the enemy is the enemy is not very happy about it, right? He's not too worried. But what happens when Joseph starts verbalizing this dream, the enemy attack amps up to a whole new level. So there's something different from just being loved by God to walking in the things that God has called you to do. Look at what his brothers call him. Look, here comes that dreamer. That was the thing that was bothering them. That was the thing that they were so challenged by, so jealous of, Joseph's dreams. And, and I don't want to move further without reading Ephesians 6.12. I know we all know it very, very well, but it's so applicable here. And I hope it's encouraging for you that if there's personalities in your way or if there's things that you think are in the natural that might be blocking whatever it is that you're wanting to walk into the fullness of, let this be an encouragement that maybe there's a spiritual element, especially if it's something that God has birthed on your heart that might be in the way. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Looking through this lens of spiritual warfare, the thing that bothers the enemy so much is the fact that here comes that dreamer. And you know, the brothers wanted to kill him and throw him in the pit. I think the enemy wants to kill your dreams and leave you in a pit of hopelessness, of despair, of discouragement. And, and I just want to move away. This, this, isn't, uh, this isn't to be fearful. You know, we've, we've been given not a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of sound mind. So this, this isn't to be afraid, but this is actually to be aware. You know, I love this proverb. The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but victory belongs to the Lord. So what is that saying? He'll take care of us, but we have to do our bit to be aware and to be prepared. If we're building our bookcase with the expectation that it's going to go smoothly, and then the expectation happens when there's screws poking out and there's obstacles and it's leaning all over the place, and we get discouraged and we want to go and return it, I think sometimes we can even do that with the things that God has placed on our heart. God, this was too difficult. God, I just, I can't keep going on believing for this to get better. I want to return this to you. And I don't, I want to shift the way, hopefully, that we're thinking of expectations. When God something has, when God has something for you, know that there might be obstacles in the way. Know that there, that there might be even more resistance than before. Listen to what Joseph's brothers say to conclude their plotting of his death. We will see what becomes of his dreams. We will see what becomes of his dreams. I want... I don't know if you're thinking, like, why that would elicit such a strong response of wanting to kill him. And I hopefully can paint this picture for you. Acts 1 verse 8 says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. You are going to receive power. That is saying that you're going to be dangerous for the kingdom of God. New beginnings, new seasons, new dreams, the promise of something new is dangerous to the enemy. Your dreams represent loved ones coming back into fellowship with Jesus. The thing that God has put on your heart represents the lonely finding community. The things that God has birthed in your heart says the broken finding wholeness, the bound up in prison finding freedom, 
That's what our dreams represent. That's what God has called us and created us to do. And yet, when we start to step into those things and we immediately see obstacles, we immediately see giants, we immediately see this resistance, how many of us have not necessarily given up, but slowly and slowly and slowly, it becomes a little bit less as as exciting as it once was. We slowly disengage from the thing that God has called us to do. We slowly turn around. Instead of standing where the boulders are, we take a step back. We can take another step back. Life is always going to become like this. And I think that's what the enemy, if we can look at the strategy, if we can be prepared to know that there's going to be even more opposition than there was before, then we can be prepared to push through. And I love that song that we sang this morning, Let Faith Arise. That's one of the things I would love for us to catch in our spirits this morning. Can we let faith arise that regardless of what obstacles are coming, let faith arise, let hope arise, let passion arise, because those are the things that will fuel us to push through and to stand through the obstacles that come our way. And one of the things I found interesting, all of the Bible commentators agree on this that Joseph's brothers and his father actually correctly interpreted Joseph's dream. What is that saying? Sometimes I think the enemy might understand how powerful our dreams are and what they represent. And that's one of the reasons there's such a strong rebuttal when you come against some walls here, because there's a, recogni- there's a recognition that this is powerful, that this is actually from God, that this could do some damage. And yet when we find that rebuttal, when we see those giants in the land, it often is pretty discouraging. We turn around and say, forget that, you know. It's so easy to do that. But reignite those things that God has sent your way this morning. Re-engage those giants, even if it's just standing, but re-engage it. Pursue the new season. Pursue the new beginning. I love this quote by Les Brown. Too many of us are not living our dreams Because we're living our fears. Too many of us are not living our dreams because we're living our fears. It's pushing through the battle despite when it looks bleak that brings victory. And can I just give you a reminder that we already know that the battle has already been won? I think sometimes as Christians we feel like the battle hasn't been won. When in fact God already has the promised land aside for us. But our part is to go in and to address those giants. And what does it say? The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory is the Lord's. We sometimes say, God, I can't do this victory, so I'm going to duck out of here. But what I'm encouraging you this morning is just be prepared of what's going to come your way and let the Lord do his part. His part is to remove miraculously those things that can't be moved miraculously. And when we see in the story of Joseph, we see him in a worse situation than he was before when God started giving them those dreams. So if you find yourself in a worse situation than you were before, take heart. Do not lose heart from that first and second Corinthians that we read. It might just be a sign that it truly is of God. I just want to share a very brief story about Mother Teresa that lines up with this. Do you know, um, she was 36 when she got the download from God. Um, She was on a missions trip to Calcutta that she was to go and live breathe, eat, dress the way with the poorest of the poor in the slums in Calcutta. And so she came back burning with the passion inside of her to her, her direct oversight. His name was Father Van Exum. 
And she said to him, God has given me this thing. And she was so excited. And do you think that he had a wide open door and sent her like, you know, with, um, I don't know, beautiful presents and things? He said, I don't think this is from God. I think you should stay doing what you're doing. And I think she was in Albania. I could be wrong. Um, and she was, in a, she was a little teacher in a, in a little monastery there, I believe. And, uh, and he said no. And, and she was pretty downcast, but she knew it was from God, so she kept pursuing him. She ended up meeting with him so often to try and convince him that this is really from God that the other nuns in the monastery actually started accusing her of having romantic feelings for the father of Anexum. And this absolutely crushed her. This absolutely devastated her because she had this thing downloaded from God. And she said, why is there this boundary here? And why is there this thing here? And so eventually, after four months of just meeting after meeting, he said, okay, you, you, you won me over. God spoke to you. Now you have to go up to the next level, which was the archbishop. And, and his response was, of course, go for it. No, no, it was not yet. Wait. So she then began a, a, a letter-writing campaign to convince him that this was really from God. It was a year and a half after she had been given this dream from God before she even got permission to go to do what God had called her to do. I hope that we also don't try and say Mother Teresa and Joseph are these um, just phenomenal people, which I would agree they are. But the same God that was with Joseph is the same God that speaks to us today. The same God that gave Joseph those dreams is the same God that gives you and I dreams. We looked at the start of Joseph's story, and what did we see? A very broken family system. He, he comes from a family just like you and I all do, where it's not all perfect. He comes from situations just like you and I all do. Mother Teresa, well, she wasn't in some you know, fancy ex- ex- accelerated program that was going to help you be the most gifted person. She was in a little monastery in Albania, and God had spoken to her and said, this is what it is. But the thing that I want to encourage you this morning, even though it might not feel like encouragement, the obstacles may come. Be prepared for them to push through so that we can really see God move his purposes in us. Amen? Okay, we'll keep, I'll paraphrase verses 21 through 24. Reuben, the brother, says, let's not kill him. So they end up throwing him into a pit, and, uh, and they, they're going to see what they can do with him. But I just wanted to touch back on the bookcase really quickly. I can just imagine Joseph right now when he's sitting in the pit. You know, his brothers decided not to kill him, but they threw him in a pit. I imagine like Angie went and returned the bookcase. This would be a time when Joseph was probably wanting to return those dreams that God gave to him. God, I think, I think you gave these dreams to the wrong person this morning, you know, um, you know. And God might have been saying, well, I don't think you shared them wisely. But, I mean, that's a whole, a whole other story, right? But I imagine that he would want to return those things that God had given to him. And I think it mostly surrounds expectations of what we thought that something new would look like. Do you, do you know, I think Joseph probably thought those dreams were going to look like something and they actually, and this is something I want to encourage you. When Joseph was in the, and it, the Bible says it was an empty pit. When Joseph was in the bottom of that empty pit, he was more in the purposes of God than he had ever been. Later on in the passage, it says, the Lord is the one that sent Joseph to Egypt. The Lord is the one that sent him there. Now we all go through these valleys and we all go through these places 
but it's the, the importance of just standing, like we heard this morning during worship. The importance of pushing through those things is actually one of the most necessary things that we could possibly do to see these dreams come to fruition. So this morning, if you have a circumstance that has gotten worse or that looks like it possibly can't be overcome, be encouraged to say that God's going to do his victory if I stand, if I let those things arise like we were talking about. Verses 25 through 28 just says the brothers see this, this caravan of Ishmaelites come through. And so they end up um, selling Joseph for 20 shekels of silver. Who then took, and they then took Joseph to Egypt. I can only imagine how broken and dejected Joseph must have been at this point. But it was actually fulfillment of his dreams that had put him into the pit because he needed to get to Egypt to do the things that he needed to do. And I think, although none of his brothers realized they were actually helped moving his dreams forward, indeed they were. And so no matter what situation you place yourself in, no matter what you turn, no matter how much rejection you might have experienced, and I doubt if any of us have experienced the rejection that Joseph did. I, I, I mean, if, if you have, I mean, I'm so sorry, but if you've been sold by your brothers into slavery and sent away to a faraway land... That's pretty low as far as things that can happen to us. But what example that God leaves for us saying, even this I can use for my purposes. Even this I can use for my good. God is faithful and he truly works together all things for the good for those who love him. Amen. God never left Joseph. He never forsook him. He stayed with him through some very tough places. And he also saw them through them as well. The, the, the passage in 30, Genesis 37 wraps up like this. Reuben returns and he's distraught. They sold Joseph. So they slaughtered a goat. They dipped it into the robe and, and they showed their father. And their father was so upset he couldn't be comforted by anyone. And meanwhile, the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard. When God has a call on your life, when God promises you something, when he asks you to move into something, when he has a new beginning, when he has a new season, when he has a new dream, which he does all the time, we're being made new day by day. If it's for you, if it's for your family, there's often going to be these obstacles in the way. The giants in the promised land still need taken care of. Don't be discouraged. Don't turn back. Don't lose heart. Keep the faith. Like we said, God is just as much in the pit as he was in the dream that he gave to Joseph. What things this morning do you need to re-engage that maybe you've disengaged? What obstacles seem too daunting, even though you felt that still small voice of the Holy Spirit saying, I have this promise for you. God is mighty. He is faithful. He is ever with us. And he has called each of us to do such unique things. I think the biggest lie of the enemy is saying, look at how big and bad my obstacles are. Because what it does is says, God, isn't, God is smaller than those obstacles. Can we increase our viewpoint of who God is? And I'm talking obstacles that are significant. We're talking a circumstance where Joseph was in a pit, sold, rejected by his brothers, um, and he's, he's sold into slavery. What obstacle can you possibly think of that you haven't seen God move? Be encouraged because it only means that God still has room to work. Amen? Engage the thing that is impossible. I love what Bruce Billington always says. What are you doing today that you couldn't do with the Holy Spirit? 
or I phrased it horribly wrong, but you, you know what I'm saying. What could you do today? What are you doing today that you couldn't do if you didn't have the Holy Spirit? And that says when we come up against obstacles that are too big, be it health, be it depression, be it mental health issues, be it financial issues, be it emotional relational issues, whatever it is, be encouraged because God says those things will come and it's our duty to be prepared. But don't let that take away from the passion, from the the things that stirs your heart to pursue those dreams. What are those things that you're after? What is the, and, and I just, I, I picture if Joseph hadn't, if he had have lost heart and he would have just given up, and we'll go into it more next week as well, we wouldn't have seen a miraculous work that he did of, of bringing, you know, saving probably, I don't know, thousands and thousands of people from death, from famine. I mean, but I'm not saying necessarily, I don't, I don't want to go to the majestic or this big and grand vision. I want to keep it personal for you. There is an outcome that God has of somebody's healing for you to continue pushing through. There's an outcome of freedom. This isn't just so that we can feel great about ourselves and say, yeah, God, I'm so special. He wants us to help others. He wants us to bless others. He wants to bring reconciliation. And the biggest thing on my heart this morning is for those of you that are parents that don't have children walking with the Lord, that is the biggest thing that God has placed on my heart for this morning, saying, keep calling them. Keep hope. Keep faith. Call them back in prayer. Call them back. When those obstacles come in arguments, when those obstacles come in tantrums or whatever the case might see, you say, God, I see these giants in the way, but I declare that, you know, raise a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Can we claim those things this morning? And that was on my heart for this morning for you all. More than anything was, was that peace in this regard. Is that obstacle? I just felt that. And I would even like to take some time to lift that up in prayer this morning if we could as well. Amen? Amen. Okay, let's, let's just pray. And if you could close your eyes as we just seek the Lord. Father, we, we thank you, Father God, that, that you are who you are. Jesus, we declare this morning, Father, that you are mighty. Father, we declare that there is no obstacle. There is nothing formed against us that can prosper. And Jesus, we just go before mightily and boldly. Jesus, we declare that those that are far from you would be drawn near to you, Jesus. Lord, those distractions that would want to keep us from seeing your purposes fulfilled this morning, we speak against in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, I pray that the barriers that would be over people's minds would be broken down. Lord, I speak fresh hope, Jesus. I speak fresh vision. I speak fresh faith, Father, for those things that you're wanting to do in these people here. Lord, if there was even three people here, Jesus, Lord, you could do a mighty work, Father, but I pray that every single person here would connect to the dream that you're putting in their heart, would connect to the new season that you've placed on their heart, Father. Lord, I speak for breakthrough, Jesus. Breakthrough, Father God, for family members that have known you, that have walked away. Lord, I pray that this place would be filled with your people praising your name, Jesus. Lord, every empty seat here, Father God, represents somebody, Jesus. Every empty seat, Father, I pray would be filled in your mighty name. Lord, we go before you, Jesus, where you've already gone before us. We walk in that way and we declare that these empty seats are loved ones, Jesus. Lord, increase in us a burden for them. But Lord, that happens through us taking courage, standing when we need to stand, not giving up heart, Father God. Lord, I pray that you would have your purposes in this place. Lord, let us hear from you, Father. Lord, we bless your name, Jesus. And everybody said, Amen, Father. Maybe Bruce, you want to come on up?
Is Bruce here? Oh, he doesn't want to come up. He's saying, no, no, no. But I, I hope that you're encouraged this morning to keep pushing and to keep this word in your heart as you come because obstacles do come. But the obstacles aren't the thing this morning. It's the mightiness of who God is. It's just being aware that those obstacles can sometimes turn us away when we shouldn't be turning away. Stand. Let faith arise. Amen. Bless you this morning.